Lynn Hiles Ministries presents Dr. Lynn Hiles That You Might Have Life. And here's your host, Dr. Lynn Hiles. I want to welcome you back to the program again today, and I trust that you are following not just today, but several days we've been teaching from the Gospel of John. One of the things that I really love about being able to do television is that it gives me the opportunity to unpack things that I cannot hardly do when I'm traveling. And uh, we are totally, fully mobile ministries. I I do not pastor. I belong to a local church. But we travel all the time, all over the world, teaching and preaching, conferences, seminars, leadership groups, all kinds of things. And many times I'm only there three or four days. But the great thing that I have uh, the ability to do when I'm using television is that I can week by week by week continue to just teach some things that I would not be able to capture other than because I'm able to do it on a weekly basis. So I encourage you not just to watch one segment and decide whether or not you like what we're saying or don't, but to at least go back and be fair enough to give us uh, you know, attention for a couple of programs to at least see what we're saying. Uh, everything we have aired to date is archived on YouTube. Uh, it also is available at uh, iTunes. for your. Po- we have a podcast there. There is also a Android RSS feed for your Android device. So we have made all of the programs that we have aired to date, over 500 of them are available to you at no cost uh, by simply going to our... The easiest way to get to any of that is to go to our website at lenhouse.com and in the upper right-hand corner, there's a link there that will take you. There's a link that's a picture of a YouTube and the little icons that show you. And you can go directly to our page. You can subscribe to any of those. They are no charge to you. Our partners have made that available uh, to you uh, at no cost. And so we're trying to get the gospel out, and it literally is reaching around the world. I would also say to you that uh, if you have people in other countries that do not understand English, because we use closed captioning on our TV program, uh, on YouTube, it translates automatically into every language around the globe so that you can uh, tell your friends who cannot speak English to watch this because they can, and we are hearing from literally around the world. Your gifts, donations, and your support is what has made that possible for us. So consider when you're there watching those things that they have cost us quite a bit to put them there, but if you'd like to sew back into it, you can certainly do that by going to our website, or there is a text to give that will come up on the screen. You make it very easy. You can do it today right from your couch, text to give, if you'd like to support the gospel that we're preaching. We've been in the middle of a series, and what we're teaching from is the gospel of John. John wrote in John 20, and again his premise is simply this, he says, these things are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, and that believing you would have life through His name. And what we begin to do is show you that this book for me has expanded incredibly, because I started to see that everything He's doing in this book with His miracles, with His sayings from the cross, with the seven times that He says, I am, with the hand-picked miracles that He does. They are in fact showing you a surface truth, but there's much more to it. He's giving a convincing argument 
to what would have been a first century audience that he is in fact the Christ and that believing they could have life through his name. He is giving them stuff they would have understood in their own ideologies and backgrounds that they should have jarred something within their thinking to think, wait a minute, this is far more than a surface miracle. This is far more than a surface thing. This is Jesus trying to show us that everything that you studied about in the Old Testament is being fulfilled in Christ. In other words, these guys that stood here, for instance, I'm going to talk about Nicodemus again today. I call him Nick at night, who was a master teacher in Israel. And Jesus says to him, are you a master in Israel? And you don't know these things? In other words, if you don't know these things, then how's anybody else going to know? But he begins to tell him the the reason you don't know is because If I tell you earthly things that you don't understand, how in the world are you going to understand if I tell you spiritual things? And what Jesus was doing in John's Gospel especially, is He's showing them natural things that are pointing to something far deeper. For instance, we are talking about in Nicodemus a natural birth. To Nicodemus, Nicodemus, your ethnic birth in Abraham is not enough. You need to be born again. What's born of flesh is flesh. That's flesh. What's born of the Spirit is spirit. And you know, they that are in the flesh cannot please God. Maybe He's not talking about your carnality. He's talking about, yes, your carnality in some sense, but He's saying, listen, flesh and blood doesn't inherit the kingdom. In other words, your ethnic background is not enough. You must be born again. He begins to show them in chapter 2 when he's standing there and he's cleansed the temple. He said, you destroyed this temple in three days. I'll raise it back up. They're thinking about a natural temple. But Jesus is trying to shift him to think about a spiritual temple. When he does the wedding at Cana, they're looking at a natural wedding, but that's his first miracle. He's showing them something about his own wedding and his new covenant bride which is a new Jerusalem, a new people, a new creation in Genesis or John 1. He's talking about the beginning of the creation of God, and he contrasts the old creation in Genesis with a new creation that is in Christ Jesus. When he feeds the multitudes in the wilderness, as he's feeding these multitudes, he said, your fathers, he brings them. Watch, this is not an accident. This should have been something that would have joggled the minds of first century Jews. They knew these stories. They could quote you verbatim chapters of the Torah. And Jesus takes them after the feast of Passover, out into the wilderness, a multitude of 5,000 men, and He feeds them bread. And when He breaks the bread and makes the miracle of feeding the 5,000 They said to him, what sign do you show us that you're the Christ? And Jesus looks at them and says, listen, your fathers ate manna in the wilderness and they're dead. You thought that was the bread. You see, Moses did almost the exact same thing that Jesus did. He brought them out of Egypt, he brought them into the wilderness, and he fed them on manna. And and the Gospel of John, Jesus brings them out of the city, He brings a multitude into the desert. 
He sets them down, and He feeds them the bread from heaven, and He contrasts them and says, you thought that's the bread, that's not the bread, that's natural bread, that's not the bread, I'm the true bread that came down from heaven. And He begins to shift them to see, and this is what really began to open this book to me, is He began to shift them from this whole natural carnal way of looking at Scripture to seeing, wait a minute, there's a kingdom among us. And when he says to Nicodemus, and I might all just get in here and read this, or I'll be bogged down again, but excuse me. He said, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus. He's a ruler of the Jews. <coughs> the same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles that thou dost except God be with him. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And Nicodemus saith unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? And Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I said unto thee, you must be born again. In other words, he's saying to Nick, here's Nicodemus's thought, well, I'm a natural Jew, I'm the seed of Abraham, and I'm, these covenants are, are for me. But Jesus is saying to him, listen, Nick, I'm trying to shift you from natural. Your natural ethnic background is not enough you must be born again. That's natural birth. That's born of the flesh. But you must be born of the Spirit. And as he comes in even to the next chapter with the woman at the mill, well, he's going to offer the same thing to the Gentiles and offer her water to drink that she will never thirst again that will be in her. And so he begins to talk about being born of the Spirit. Now I know there's a movement out there among a lot of deeper life guys that, that, that everybody's already born again. I, I, you know, I, I just have to differ with that because this whole book of John is written to create believers, and that believing you might have life through His name. And even in this chapter it said, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him would not perish, but have everlasting life. For God did not send His Son into the world, condemn the world, we don't quote that Scripture much, but that the world through Him might have life. So he's telling him, listen, and so I, I know, well, you know, people talk about, well, I'm going to talk about some things here that probably Nicodemus would have thought about in his mind. But I've heard people say, well, there's only one place in the Scripture that even talks about being born again. But that's not true. There's other Scripture that say that, that we are born again, not of corruptible things, but by the incorruptible seed by the Word of God. So the preaching of the Gospel is the seed that should impregnate us to bring us into a birthing where we experience this born-again experience. And I will just simply say this, a man with an experience is never at the mercy of a man with an argument. And I think there is way too much in the Scripture 
that talks about believing, not because we believe God is going to do something, but because we believe He already has. Our faith inaugurates what God has already done in Christ Jesus for us that causes us to become a part of this new creation. And God's business is the business of bringing about new creation. And so he's saying to Nick here, you think it's about a natural birth, but you must be born again because this is a spiritual rebirth. And uh, you know, I, 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 well, I'll just move on. Marvel not I, that, that I said unto thee, you must be born again. The wind blows where it listeth, and, and thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell whence it cometh, and whither it goeth. So is every one that is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus answered and said unto him, How can these things be? Jesus answered and said to him, Art thou a master of Israel, and knowest not these things? Verily I say unto you, He we speak that we do know, and testify that we have seen, and, we re and you receive not our witness. If I told you earthly things, and you believe not, how will you believe if I tell you heavenly things? Now let me come back again and talk about this whole uh, context here. Verily I say to you, except you man be born of the water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom. That which is born of flesh is flesh, that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I said to you, you must be born again. Now what I want you to see here is that this word here in John 8, the word, it says, The wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell whence it cometh, and whither it goes. So also is he, everyone that is born of the Spirit. Now I want you to see that, I don't know why the translators translated this differently. But this word wind in verse 8 is also the same Greek word that is translated in this very same verse. It could literally say, the Spirit bloweth where it listeth. And thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell whence it came, and whither, is it, and whither it goeth, so is everyone that is born of the Spirit. If you're going to translate it consistently, you could have said, so is everyone that is born of the wind, or of the uh, if you're going to put it consistently, the Spirit blows where it lists. Now what I want you to see is that there are several times that Jesus talks about the Spirit. Let me uh, pull up my notes here and talk about this a little bit from uh, some of the things that He says about the Spirit. Because what happens is, is you start to see that this word, uh, the Greek word for wind here, is the Greek word pneuma. It is spirit it is translated spirit, breath, or wind. The word spirit in verse 8 is the same Greek word as the word wind in the above verse. He could have said, they that were born of the wind. In the book of Acts, the Spirit of God comes like a mighty rushing wind upon all of them. And also Jesus with His disciples, He breathed on them and said, receive ye the Holy Ghost. And in, uh, I'll, I'll get this verse here in, in the book of Ecclesiastes. Let me, let me just read this verse, because this verse is probably one that uh, Nicodemus may have thought in his mind. This is uh, Ecclesiastes 11, verse number 5. This is from the ESV version. It says, he says, As you do not know the way the Spirit comes to the bones, in the, in the womb of a woman with child, so you do not know how the work of God works, who makes everything. So he's talking about, Nicodemus would have probably drawn from the Scripture saying, you do not know how 
that the Spirit comes, not the wind, but the Spirit comes to the bones uh, in, in, in the womb of a woman with child. In other words, the Spirit has to come into you. One of the key elements of new covenant truth is the indwelling Spirit of God. I believe when Jesus breathed on His disciples and said, Receive ye the Holy Spirit, that was their moment of being born again. There are so many things that you could see throughout the Scriptures where He's talking about breathing, the breath of God comes. And when God breathes, it always brings about some kind of of a change. It brings and initiates. When God breathed into the nostrils of Adam in the old covenant, and that old creation man became a living soul, so it is in the new covenant that when God breathes life into this new creation man, we become life-giving spirit. Jesus, the first Adam, was a living soul, and the last Adam was a life-giving spirit. And so there is, God is trying to show Nicodemus here, there is a spiritual transformation that takes place. Now I'm going to tell you, I've been in the ministry for 40 years, and I can tell you this. I know that when someone truly gets born again, something changes. Now everything about their behavior may not change overnight, but there's something in their nature that becomes new in this new creation. And, and what happens is, is that there's something, there's a new spirit, there's, there's a resurrection that takes place I believe within us. I believe that also uh, Nicodemus would probably have, as he, you know, uh, as he breathed on them, I believe that Nicodemus probably also thought when Jesus is talking to him about this uh, being born again, and I'm probably not going to be able to finish this in this segment, and probably take another segment or two to deal with this, but I want us to look at uh, Ezekiel 37, because Ezekiel 37 is probably something that was in the mind of Nicodemus, once again, who was a master teacher in Israel and should have known these things. And Jesus is talking to him about the wind blowing upon the bones. Remember, these scriptures are talking about you don't know the way of the wind, you don't know the way of the Spirit, how that when the wind or the Spirit comes into the bones of in a woman's womb and makes alive, how that the Spirit Spirit of God makes alive. Nicodemus was knowing that Jesus was coming and that knowing, not that he didn't know that Jesus was coming, but he's saying to him, we know that you're a teacher come from God because you can, you're doing these miracles. And he may have in his mind begin to think about Ezekiel chapter 37 when he said to him, listen, the wind is about to blow on some dry bones. Now before I get into the whole dry bones context, I want to go back just a few verses into Ezekiel 36, because he, he's going to talk about the wind in, Isaiah, in Ezekiel 36. He's talk, going to talk about breath coming into them. But before he does that, he's prophesying a judgment on Israel. And he says to them in verse 17, uh, Son of man, when the this is Ezekiel 36, Verse number 16, it says, Moreover the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Son of man, when the house of Israel dwelt in their own land, they defiled it by their own way and by their doings. Their way was before me as the uncleanness 
of a removed woman. Wherefore I poured my fury upon them for the blood that they had shed upon the land, and their idols therewith, for they have polluted it. And I scattered them among the heathen, and they were dispersed through the countries according to their way, and according to their doings I judged them. Uh, uh, they, and, and, and when they entered into the heathen, whither they went, they profaned my holy name. When they said to them, These are the people of the Lord, and are gone forth out of his land. But I had put pity in mine, I had put pity for mine holy name, which the house of Israel had profaned among the heathen, whither they went. Therefore say unto the house of Israel, thus says the Lord God, I do not, I do this for your sakes, O house of Israel, but for my name, for my holy name's sake, which you have profaned among the heathen where you went. And I will sanctify my great name, which was profaned among the heathen, which you have profaned in the midst of them. And, and the heathen shall know that I am the Lord, saith the Lord God, when I, shall, when I shall be sanctified before your eyes. For I will take you among the heathen, and gather you out of all countries, and will bring you into your own land. Then will I sprinkle clean water upon you. Remember, born of the water and of the Spirit. Then will I sprinkle clean water upon you, and you shall be clean from all your filthiness, and from all your idols, I will cleanse you. Now this is a new covenant promise here. And a new heart also will I give you, and a new spirit. That, that should connect you to the new covenant realities. It should have connected Nicodemus's thought process to what this new covenant would produce. A new heart I will give you, and a new spirit I will put within you, and I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh, and I will give you a heart of flesh, and I will put my spirit within you, and cause you to walk in my statutes, and you shall keep my judgments and do them. Now I want you to just see that, you know, those are all scriptures that are quoted in the New Testament about a new heart and a new spirit, and I'm going to sprinkle you with water. I mean, Nicodemus had to be thinking in scriptures he understood as he's thinking, born of the water and of the Spirit. Jesus speaks of that concerning, or I'm, I'm sorry, not Jesus, but the Apostle Paul speaks of that uh, in Ephesians 5 when he said that Christ has presented us to himself, not having spot, wrinkle, blemish, or any such thing, having washed us with the water of the Word, and having presented us to Himself, He washed us. He's talking about something different than a natural restoration. And I'm going to say something else to you. The natural restoration of the land is not what He's pointing to here. I believe that these scriptures, Ezekiel 36 and 37, in their historic context, this happened under the Babylonian reign that they were destroyed, but they were restored back to their land in Ezra, Nehemiah, and Esther. They, God restored them back to their pristine days under the Medes and the Persians, and they came back into their land. But this steps out of this moment and points to a new covenant reality like so many scriptures does, and says, I'm going to sprinkle you with clean water. I'm going to get away with your filthiness, and I'm going to purge you of all your idols, and I'm going to cleanse you, and I'm going to put a new heart in you, and I'm going to give you a new spirit, and I'll put my spirit within you. That's new covenant realities. These things are written, Nicodemus, that you might believe, and that believing you would have life through his name. The life he's offering is right here. He's prophesying concerning it. I even began to see, and this, this really, I put this in my notes, I said, is it possible that even the miracle that Jesus did with the woman with an issue of blood, 
is, is a fulfillment of this prophetic picture because in Ezekiel 36 he said, Son of man, when the house of son of man, when the house of Israel dwelt in their own land, they defiled it by their own way and by their doings. Their way was before me as the uncleanness of a removed woman. In other words, a woman is an issue of blood. And he's talking about restoring Israel as a woman with an issue of blood. Now there's so much can be said about that. But what I've begun to see is there is a lot of prophetic possibility and overtones in these scriptures being fulfilled and finding their reality in the new covenant. Because when Jesus comes to this woman with an issue of blood, she was in bondage for 18 years and she was bowed to the earth and could in no wise lift up herself. 18 is the biblical number for bondage. But it's also 6 plus 6 plus 6. If you count, 6 plus 6 plus 6 equals 18. It is 666. It is interesting to me in this book called Beauty and the Beast that I wrote that the word, uh, that there are only five words in the entire New Testament that have a numerical value of 666. Every word has a numerical value. And the first word that has a numerical value of 666 is when Jesus said, you have made the word of God ineffective by your traditions. So Jesus wants to heal this woman uh, bowed, uh, uh, not this woman bowed to the earth, but uh, this woman with an issue of blood. She'd been bleeding. I'm sorry, she wasn't 18 years. She was 12 years bleeding. I've got the two stories confused. I apologize there for a moment. But the, st the, the consistency is still the same thing here, is that tradition and idolatry is what this woman was bleeding, not from her nose. She was bleeding to death over righteousness. And I believe it is in John chapter 8. Her righteousness was as a filthy rag or as a menstruous cloth, but when she touches Jesus, Jesus heals her uncleanness. In other words, all of these pictures are pointed towards new covenant realities because Jesus comes at that time, he's coming to again uh, heal the daughter of Jairus, who was a ruler of the synagogue. And he's trying to connect this, he's taking this message pretty powerful to these synagogue leaders. Nicodemus here, Jairus, and I believe it is John chapter 8 with this woman with an issue of blood, and he's trying to bring them to see that this new covenant cleansing that's going to stop the flow of this blood of this woman who's bleeding to death, not from her nose, but over the point of righteousness, for your righteousness is like filthy rags. In the new covenant, our righteousness is not based on our performance. It's based on a gift because of we've been made the righteousness, because he was made sin, we were made righteous. And that's what he's pointing at, is he's moving us from old covenant to new covenant realities. I am out of time and I need some more time, so we're going to do this on the next segment again. Please don't miss it as I connect Ezekiel 37 to these concepts. Thank you for joining us. If you'd like to sow a seed into this ministry, we do need your help. You can go to the website. There's a link there where you can give via credit card or debit card. Uh, you can also call the number on the screen or you can give by, via text message. 
You can also send cards and letters to the address that will come on the screen, check and money order, and uh, that your generous gift is what helps us take the gospel literally around the world. We trust that you're following this and enjoying the things that we're sharing. God bless you. Please tune in again next week as we consider and continue this powerful series on the book of John. I believe it will be an ultimate blessing to you, and tell your friends about us. God bless you. Thank you for joining us. I'm very excited to announce the release of my newest book. It is titled, From Law to Grace, A Kingdom Paradigm Shift. In this book, we talk about how the gospel is not about a law you have to keep. It is about receiving a life that will keep you. It is not about living this life out of fear. It is about living a life of faith. It is not about rules. It's about a relationship with a loving Father. It is about moving from the old covenant government of condemnation to the new covenant government of affirmation. It is about living life as a citizen of the kingdom right now.